Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. It's Monday, December 12th. From inside the WTOP newsroom, this is the DMV Download Podcast, brought to you by Steamfitters Local 602. Get an estimate and learn more at steamfitters-602.org. D.C. is on track to have the largest free transit plan in the country, offering bus service in the nation's capital for no charge and giving residents a monthly allowance for Metro Rail. Councilmember Charles Allen proposed the idea three years ago, and it's now just one vote away from becoming law. We know this works. We know it can work. We know it can make a big difference in riders, to their pocketbooks, to their mobility. So let's do it. But is this bill to heavily subsidize Metro worth it to D.C. taxpayers? I don't think people ask the same question when they're uh, driving on a road that was completely subsidized by taxpayers or, you know, whether you go to the library or not, or if you use the fire department today or not. Thanks for joining us. I'm Luke Garrett. Megan Clardy is on assignment today. If D.C. Councilmember Charles Allen gets his way, that sound of a $2 bus fare payment will cease to exist come July 2023. And by the looks of it, Allen's bill to make Metro buses free in D.C. is on the road to becoming law. Just last week, the D.C. Council unanimously passed his huge Metro bill that includes much more than just a free bus program. D.C. Mayor Muriel Bowser also supports the concept of free buses, and Metro itself is not opposed to the plan either. But before we celebrate free buses, let's remember, if someone is offering you something for free, you better take a look at how much free actually costs. Who better to do that with than Councilmember Charles Allen himself? Councilmember, you ready? Do it. So I was reading over this bill, this huge metro subsidy bill, and I couldn't help but thinking about this quote from The Wire. I'm not sure if you've watched that show. Uh, I Everyone asked me if I've watched The Wire, and I've watched like the first three or four episodes of season one, and that's as far as I got. Got it. Okay, so there's this character named Deacon, and he says this quote, nothing in the world is more expensive than free. Now, it's a quote that I was thinking about because, you know, there are all these offerings in this bill, for instance, free buses in D.C., $100 monthly subsidy for your smart trip. You know, there's so many great free things in this bill, but... You know, as a journalist, as a resident, you have to be skeptical that, you know, how much is this free going to really cost? So to start, you know, let's really walk through each of those items and try to really break it down and understand it, starting with free buses in D.C. What will D.C. residents actually get if this bill goes through December 20th? Well, D.C. residents are excited to hear about this because they know what they're going to get is fare-free buses in the ent- across the entire District of Columbia. Um, It's going to be absolutely transformative for a lot of people's bottom line, but for about $32, $33 million, the district government is going to be able to take the rest of the fare off the table. Remember, we already deeply subsidize WMATA, as we should. Mm. Uh, In the same way, we deeply subsidize your roads, your sidewalks, your schools, your libraries, anything else we think of as a public good. So this is going to be just hugely transformative for district residents uh, that depend on the bus. 
right? And so I saw, you know, Kansas City had a similar program. They started in 2020, like many transit agencies, made buses free, but they kind of made it indefinite. They saw a 13% increase in ridership. Is, you know, Metro Bus ready to handle this, you know, likely increase when it becomes free for residents? Oh, absolutely. And remember, part of this is the, it, this also is about our ride recovery, right? Right. So we're trying to recover from a pandemic where we've watched commuting patterns and practices change dramatically. Um, and even though we saw a smaller decline of bus ridership, and of course we can come back to why is that, um, but we know that we can recover more of our riders by doing this. So that 10 to 20% increase in ridership is gonna be important to WMATA's health and recovery, and they absolutely can handle it. I've got confidence in that. Mm. And so, you know, kind of alluding back to that quote, um, nothing is more expensive than free. How much will it cost to operate buses in D.C. for free? How much is that going to cost the taxpayer? Uh, it's about 32 to $33 million per year for us to just go ahead and make it across the board. That is a very reasonable investment uh, to put right back into, into D.C. residents, into D.C. workers, into D.C. businesses, frankly. Let's think about who the bus rider is, right? So in D.C., you've got about 70% of riders on the buses in DC are folks that are, their household income is less than $50,000 a year. Right. We know the annual commuting cost compared to other cities across our country, DC is the top. Mm. We rank number one for the total costs of commuting. So if we wanna help make sure we're getting folks back to work, we wanna also do it in an equitable way. So we're really making sure our investment is helping those who need it the most. Turning our buses fare-free is going to be absolutely transformative and make a real meaningful impact in our economic recovery from the pandemic as well. It's, it's a win-win across the board. It's great for riders. It's great for workers. It speeds up the bus as well. When you're not having to deal with fare collection, folks can get on, folks get off. We're going to see our uh, efficiencies increase. And then, of course, the other part of the bill, just because I make it affordable, doesn't make it a better ride. You've got to pair that with right. service improvements. Right. So we're putting $10 million a year into improved bus service. That means better reliability, better experiences, everything from more frequency to actually having shelters at your bus stop. Um, you've got to pair those two things together. They are different sides of the same coin, and otherwise you're not getting the job done. Right. And you know the budget office said that about one in three you know, D.C. Uh, residents take Metro to work. But what about those, you know, two others of the two out of three? You know, what would you say to them? You know, hey, I'm not taking Metro consistently. Why are my tax dollars going to this thing? I'm not using a ton. Well, I, I guess I'd ask them, um, do they have children in our schools? Have they ever gone to the library? Do they drive a car every day on our roads that we pay for or walk on the sidewalks? I mean, listen, when you public goods are public goods, uh, have they had to have the fire department show up to their house lately? You pay for these things because they are a public good. When you need them, you need them. Um, but we all have a job. We all have a responsibility to help pay for these things. And trans is no different. It is, it is critical to the economic development and economic growth of our city. It is critical to the mobility around the entire region, not just the district. It is critical to addressing climate change, to get people out of their cars and have a good, safe, reliable ride on bus or rail. So everybody chips in for a very good reason. And you should think about this no different than any other public good that we all invest in. But, you know, this is a new-ish idea. You know, it would be revolutionary. D.C. would be the largest city transit system to do this. 
has the D.C. Council just seen the light? Like, why why is this happening now and other cities haven't done it? Well, um, you know, we introduced this idea three years ago. I introduced the bill and the steps of the Wilson building about two weeks before the pandemic shut everything down. So the timing might have been lousy uh, three years ago. But in reality, you know, during the pandemic, we actually a large number of places, including D.C., we went fair free for a while. And guess what? It worked. We also saw who was on the bus. We talked earlier about making sure that there's equity in mind here as we are, are making sure we're, we're putting our investment in the right place. Everyone that everyone you know, was out there celebrating as essential workers, the folks that were working in the hospital, working at the grocery store, stocking those shelves, essential workers depend on the bus to get to work. That's why you saw bus ridership decline at a much lower rate than rail ridership and why you've also seen bus ridership recover faster. So folks really realized, I think, it was certainly here in D.C., that we have the opportunity to do something transformative for our city in a good way to get people around our city in a better way uh, and, and help make a meaningful impact on their pocketbook and be able to really target that help and that support to those that need it most. So having equity be front of mind. Now, part of the bill that we haven't talked about, of course, is the rail subsidy, the monthly subsidy. Right. So now that we're going to be making our, our buses free, I still want to help people afford the cost of getting on rail. And so what the bill does, it creates a $100 a month subsidy that's going to go to district residents on their smart trip card so they can help also afford Metro Rail. That's going to be important as well, getting people back to the office, helping our, our economic recovery over the whole city. That's going to take us a little longer to work out, um, but we have confidence we're going to get it done. And, you know, it's a little more complicated to think about your bus ride. You tap once when you get on and then you get off when you get your destination. Right. Metro Rail, it's a two tap system. You tap on the way in, you tap on the way out. So we can make buses free more quickly right away. And then we got to figure out a couple of details on the on the rail, but having that subsidy come in is going to have a real meaning of meaningful impact as well. Are you finding it harder to convince your fellow council members to support, you know, a quicker uh, hundred dollar subsidy for Metro Rail, and and if so, why? Uh, no, not at all. Okay. I think people are excited about the whole package. When we had held a hearing on on the initial Metro for DC uh, idea. The Department of Transportation and others said, well, it's, it's just going to take us some time. We've got to build up a system. We've mm. got to figure out how to do you know, this, that, and the other. The administrability of that program just means it'll take a little bit of time. Right. So we have a choice in front of us. I could wait and put it all together and you know, wait a year and a half or two and, and wait till then. Or I could say, I can make buses free as early as July mm. and still put in our monthly subsidy in about a year and a half or so. Go for it. Let's do this. It's going to make a huge difference. So really just think about it as kind of two phases of Metro for DC. And it's going to have both, both pieces are going to have a huge impact. Right. And you mentioned that first phase of the free buses within the district being around $30 million. How much do we think this subsidy, $100 subsidy, monthly subsidy for DC residents will cost? That's a little harder to tell because we also will now be making bus free. So when we initially proposed the idea, it was for both bus and for rail. We still, that's why it's going to take us a little bit of time. We got to figure out exactly what that dollar amount is going to be, because if we've now just made buses free, that might get backed out of that $100 a month subsidy because people don't need to pay that on the bus any longer. It's just going to be on rail. So those are the types of issues we expect to kind of work out over the next year or so and then be able to implement that fully uh, in about a year and a half. And do you expect Maryland and Virginia to kind of come on this bandwagon of really subsidizing Metro in a new way? I hope so. I know I've talked with some elected leaders in uh, Maryland already and in Virginia, 
they're pretty excited by it. Uh, and, and I think they'd love to see us regionally tackle this. But let's also think about um, Alexandria. They've made their dash bus free. Right. Uh, so, uh, you know, Mayor Wilson over there is really proud of what they've been doing, rightfully so. And that's had a positive impact. So I think you've seen bits and pieces around the region. The district's move is going to be obviously a leader amongst the entire region. And I hope creates the energy for us to have this uh, larger conversation of all of our jurisdictions. But, you know, the district's unique. We can control, you know, we, we are a singular jurisdiction, whereas Montgomery County or Prince George's County or Fairfax, those are jurisdictions within a state jurisdiction. And so they've got a, a little more complication to work out. But I think there's a lot of excitement regionally for us to, to make this full transition. Now, one of the more notable criticisms I've heard of this bill comes from the Cato Institute, kind of a libertarian think tank here in D.C. You know, one of the analysts there said, why not just give lower income residents money to buy a car? It provides more mobility. What would you say to that criticism to put this money elsewhere more effectively? I guess I had not heard the Cato Institute wants to buy everyone a car. Um, I don't I mean, if they want to be Oprah Winfrey and you get a car and you get a car, <laughs> I don't think that's a good idea. If we put everybody in cars, first off, if you think congestion is bad, just wait till that scenario plays out. Secondly, the cost of a vehicle, uh, people oftentimes forget the sheer amount of cost it takes once you actually have the vehicle. Mm. Anybody ever pay insurance monthly, right. pay parking costs, everything else? The, the financial impact of vehicle ownership is, is much more significant than just the cost of the vehicle itself. And then, of course, third, that is just... I don't know. That's just kind of a foolish suggestion. Mm. Um, it, it doesn't solve anything around our, our climate crisis. It doesn't do anything around our, our transit and congestion challenges. Um, in fact, that type of idea or suggestion would just make it a lot worse. And another uh, sort of think tank, the Urban Institute, has kind of hailed this bill as, you know, a possible new way for the United States or urban areas in the United States to do transit, but they say there's still a lot of unknowns. You know, we still have to see how it plays out. How confident are you that this massive investment, you know, will actually work in the long run and be sustainable? Well, we know it's going to work and we know it's going to be sustainable. We just do, right? Because how many different pilot programs could you probably cite where people have taken either bus lines and turned them fare free, or they've done it in certain time periods and it works. You look at Kansas City, uh, is a great example where you saw ridership go up. I can point to Boston. You can go to all kinds of different places where you've seen pilot programs be successful. We've even had some of our own pilot programs here in the district uh, that have worked. And during the pandemic, we went fare free for a period of time. We know it can work. We know it's the right thing. Why do I need to do just one more pilot program? Let's stop doing that where we just kind of nibble at the edges. We know this works. We know it can work. We know it can make a big difference in riders uh, in their lives to their pocketbooks, to their mobility. So let's do it. And I, I'm really proud of this council. Um, unanimously, everyone is on board. Uh, we've passed this. We've come up with a funding mechanism to ensure that there is sustainable ongoing revenue that's going to go towards this. So we know that WMATA then has a sustainable line of funding because they're only going to do it when there's sustainable funding. So we know we've got that figured out. This is going to be something that I hope other cities around the country look to us and we'll follow suit. But I'm proud of the District of Columbia for taking the step. Mm. And final question here, you know, WMATA, you mentioned they're facing their own sort of budget shortfall, a massive one. Will this solve their problem or partially solve their problem if this bill gets passed? Uh, no, this this is not intended to solve WMATA's problem. Uh, this is intended to create free buses in the District of Columbia. Right. 
solving WMATA's problems, we got to do that too. Luckily, we can do more than one thing. Where this will benefit though, is that this will connect, you know, what's one of the main things we've got to do with WMATA? We got to get more people back on rail. Yeah. Well, by turning bus free, we strongly believe, and all the data would tell you, we are going to connect more people that, that wouldn't otherwise do it to take that bus trip to, to connect to rail. Right. So we're going to not only increase bus ridership, we will increase route, rail ridership. That's important. But we have got a large amount of challenges in front of us to get our rail ridership back to where we got to go. A big part of that is going to be our economic recovery and how that is coming back into play. And I, you, you've heard from so many businesses already that are, are excited about this proposal because they believe it's integral to the economic recovery. Well, that is going to be part of WMATA's health and WMATA's overall recovery. But we're going to have to have a bigger and a different conversation about WMATA's uh, rail recovery. I think that the metro subsidy will be one of the ways that helps by getting more people to afford to get back on rail as well. Mm. Um, I do think, though, as a jurisdiction, we're going to have to be able to invest more into WMATA it is intrinsic to have a strong WMATA system because uh, it's it's important to the health of the district. It's important to the health of the region. But you know, when we know in DC, again, uh, commuting costs are the highest in DC compared to other cities. When we can take the bus and make it fare free, when we can give people a subsidy uh, per month to ride rail, these things will bring people back onto our system, and that's good for WMATA, and that means it's good for the DC area, uh, not just the District of Columbia. Mm. Let's say, you know, it's 2025, the Metro Rail subsidy is in effect, this free bus subsidy in D.C. is in effect. Will the money they're saving in their transit be more than what they're paying in taxes to really fund this program? Like, do we do we know that yet? Or is that still kind of a bet and uncertain? Um, this is going to be real savings for households. I mean, you talk to, you know, you talk to folks and, and an individual trip may take two dollars. But now imagine, you know, you're, you're paying that at least two times a day five days a week. Um, and remember, this isn't just your work commute, right? This is your trip to the grocery store. This right. is your trip to the doctor's office. This could be a trip to school. Um, so these little $2 fares over and over again add up to real money when it feels like the cost of everything is going up these days. This has hundreds, if not thousands of dollars worth of savings for households. It's going to be a real and meaningful impact for that. Listen, uh, I, I don't think people ask the same question when they're uh, driving on a road that was completely subsidized by taxpayers or, you know, whether you go to the library or not, or if you use the fire department today or not, but we recognize these are important investments. They are public goods that it is in all of our interests to be able to pay for. Why does the, why does the retired couple pay taxes to help support the school down the block? Because we know that when you've got a great education system, everybody benefits, right? Uh, why are you paying taxes to help make sure that there's a firefighter sitting on the fire engine uh, in the house ready to go? You might need them one day. Right. Um, we know when we make these investments in public goods, I think that taxpayers understand uh, that we all are chipping in for the greater good here. And it helps make a stronger city, a more resilient city, a better city. And we're also making sure that, you know, for those that can, um, we're able to help take care of everybody else, too. Mm. Um, you know, when um, it's just it's an important part. We we all do better when we all do better. And, and that this is one of the ways we make that happen. And should D.C. residents budget for free bus ridership this summer? Like, how confident are you that this is going to really happen by this summer? Should we be planning for that? Well, we've passed the legislation and we've passed the funding. So the, the next steps will be just working to, to get that MOU. All of our conversations with WMATA, I mean, they're the ones who gave us the July 1st date. So 
All indications are we can make that in July. WMATA would like to do that. That's what they told us was feasible on their end. So now it'll be time for the district government to, to make good on that. Today, the Associated Press called this plan groundbreaking. Um, we will see Charles Allen. Thank you for uh, coming on the show and explaining it to us in great detail. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Luke. I really appreciate it. And coming up after the break, snow is kind of in the forecast this week. Megan and I break out our best sledding spots in the region. Stick around. Backed by the experience of its hardworking members, Steamfitters Local 602 is ready to take on your next commercial heating, cooling, HVAC, or refrigeration project. Steamfitters Local 602 adds value to our community through its partnerships with local contractors and building owners, all while keeping the focus on improving the lives of its members and their families throughout the DMV. For work that's on time and on budget, go to steamfitters-602.org to schedule your next project. That's steamfitters-602.org. Steamfitters Local 602, changing lives. Explain your DNA on, on 10 cases, man. You're inside the police interrogation room with the alleged Potomac River rapist. I'm not guilty on any of this stuff. So calm, so reasonable. Could this be the man who terrorized women for nine years before murdering a brilliant scientist two decades ago? Experience one of the most fascinating true crime podcasts available. Join crime reporter Paul Wagner for Unknown Subject, season three of WTOP's American Nightmare series. Search American Nightmare podcast on all podcast platforms. And before we go, Megan Clody graces us with her presence <laughs> after being on assignment today. She yeah. took a reporter shift. Pretty cool. Welcome back. Thank you. So it's supposed to snow in the D.C. area, D.C. region, really, probably not the city, around Thursday, which brings up the question, you know, where's the best place to uh, enjoy the snow and go sledding? Wait a minute. Is this measurable snow? Is, are, are people actually going to be able to go sledding? This is always the answer. It depends. <laughs> <laughs> it totally depends. It can be... An icy okay. mix, I feel like uh, uh, a 50 degree downpour, or you know, maybe like an inch, maybe. Yeah, I mean, I think knowing what we know from living here, it's probably not going to be a lot of snow. No. Um. So I'm. I feel like we're getting everyone's excitement up. I love snow. I love snow too. So you there's know, some is, people who like are like, oh god. And this is the first like chance we have at it. So we might as well break out the best sledding places just so. You know, people can put in their back pocket and be like, okay, I've well, got so, these on lock. Okay, but my answer was going to be Stone Ridge okay. had this amazing huge hill, but that was like back in the day. Is and there they, like a new development yes, there or something? They like, oh. they like put something like a tennis court or something there and it's ruined. Dang. Well, I've got some suggestions. Okay. If, uh, Hit me. Yeah. So, Carnegie Institute for Science, it's right along 32nd Street Northwest. They've got this steep hill, like really steep hill. Ooh. But for all the parents listening out there, there's like a long runway after it, you know. So it's not like a <laughs> steep hill right into the road. Like Fort Reno is like another really great yes. place. But that thing blasts right onto asphalt. And like, <laughs> I don't know, even as a little kid, I was kind of like a safe kid, I feel like. So yeah. I was like, friends, don't do not do this. You know, so the Carnegie Institute for Science um, in Northwest D.C. is was my go-to place. Plenty mm-hmm. of space for just straight shots. Uh, plenty of space for building, you know, little uh, makeshift ramps if you want. Ooh. So um, that's that's my place. That's my place. We that's also it. used to go to NIH, and then that was before it was all, you know, mm. now you can't get into NIH. I'm trying to think of, like, really? where else. Dang. I know. This is really telling, I guess. I know. I'm trying to think of where. I'm not very helpful in this segment. Fort Reno all returned because there are multiple sides of Fort Reno, obviously. Some do not go straight into the street. So um, have fun out there in the snow. Sorry. I'm still trying to think of hills, but I, I, no, no, it's okay. I, I should just see. give up at this point. <laughs> there are hills. They're out there. Enjoy the snow. <laughs> if it happens, probably won't. 
But uh, tune in cool. WTOP. We'll have a snow czar on staff, and we will tell you which schools are canceled, which ones are. They actually call it that too, the snow czar. Snow, oh yeah, I've been the snow czar. It's a lot to handle with all the closings and stuff that people it's call a in. Lot to, it's a lot to handle. When I was little, tuning into WTOP, I did not know that there was someone in charge I and know. that it was a nightmare. And that we always get calls from kids that are trying <laughs> to close their school or see if their school is closed <laughs> and then be creative. There's a password, there's people. A, there's a snow password, And it kids. changes all the time, so no. Don't even think about yeah, it. Yeah, don't even try us. Yeah, the password is, ha, nope. <laughs> All right, that'll do it for us today on the TMV Download Podcast. We're brought to you by Steamfitters, Local 602. Our music is by Real World. Leave us a review and rate our show if you get the chance. Check us out on social media where we are posting every day. You can become a VIP listener at dmvdownload.com. The DMV Download, of course, is a product of WTOP News. Listen on 103.5 FM in the D.C. area, 107.7 FM in Virginia, 103.9 FM in Frederick, Maryland, online at WTOP.com, and, of course, on the WTOP News app. Have a great night. Wish for snow and see you tomorrow.